It's December the 6th, and you're listening to Audio Advent, where we're counting down the days until Christmas morning, and we're looking at some of the most famous stories in the Bible that lead us to the coming of the Messiah. Today, we're looking in Luke chapter 1 at a story where Mary visits her cousin named Elizabeth. The two mothers come together, and one of the most beautiful songs in Scripture comes as a result. So I hope you're excited. Grab your Bible and look at it with me in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 39. In those days, Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside me. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, because the Mighty One has done great things for me, and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. And Mary stayed with her about three months. Then she returned to her home. So, what I just read to you, some people refer to as the Song of Mary, or, if you like, the Magnificat. This is a song of praise and adoration, not of Mary, but by Mary, of God. I hope that you can see that the focus of all of this is really not on any normal human being like Mary, but it's on the nature and the character of the Creator. Well, it starts out simple enough. It says that Mary went to go visit her cousin, Elizabeth. Probably this happened soon after she got the message from Gabriel that she was going to conceive this child who would be called Jesus. My guess is that Joseph hasn't even found out yet. So Mary goes to visit her cousin, and then when she says something like, Hey, Elizabeth, the baby inside Elizabeth, who we know is named John, leaps for joy inside of her. And then Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and started talking about this awesome thing that should come to pass. Well, here is another incident where God specifically tells us about babies inside the womb. You see, John, he not only has a name, He also has a personality. He's jumping. He's excited. And all that he has heard so far is some muffled noise, which resembles the sound of Mary coming over the hill. And he's jumping not because of Mary, but because of what is inside Mary. Or should I say, who is inside Mary? John, before he's even born, somehow knows that the baby in the womb of the other mother is the Lord. Now, how could John know that? I mean, babies can't really know anything. 
The answer is simple. The Holy Spirit. You see, the angel had told Elizabeth prior to this occasion that the baby inside of her would be filled with the Spirit even while still in her womb. And so here's an example of that. God's Spirit is connecting babies even before they are born. That's radical. Considering our current culture and what we think about children, especially ones that haven't even breathed their first breath, I think it's clear that God loves children and he loves these babies. Now, what Elizabeth says to Mary is, how could this be that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Notice how she acknowledges that Jesus inside of Mary is the Lord. Now, let's point out a couple of things right off the bat. Number one, Elizabeth says, blessed are you among women. She doesn't say, blessed are you above women, but merely blessed are you among them. You see, Elizabeth and Mary both knew that Mary was just a woman like Elizabeth. In fact, Mary in her song talks about her humble condition, her low estate. She didn't have any miraculous, sinless conception of her own, as some people try to point out. But rather, Mary was just a lowly, poor girl. And that's part of what makes the song so beautiful. All the attention is on God. Secondly, in the beginning of her response, Mary says this, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She identifies her need of rescue and her need of salvation. She can't save herself, and she's certainly not perfect in her own being. So how might you ask, can Jesus then be born without sin if Mary his mother is not sinless. And the answer is fairly simple. The old belief, and you can pull this out of the book of Romans chapter 5, is that the nature of this broken sinfulness passes through the father to the child. And not having an earthly father, Jesus would not have inherited a cursed nature. He would have been fully human, having been the son of Mary, but able to be born able to be conceived, and able to live in a totally sinless state. Now, all of that is really beside the point. You see, it's not about Mary. It's about Jesus. So let's take a closer look at the song here. And I don't know if she sang this to a certain melody, but it does have that Hebrew poetic nature to it. This was probably a sudden inspiration from God, just like it says that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Mary is encountering this worshipful moment, and she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. What does Mary want to do? She wants to make much of the Lord. She wants to, with her whole being, express the goodness and the greatness of God, and in no way point any of the attention to herself. She said, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. And that's true. From the very moment that she said those words, all generations to the present day throughout history have noticed and observed and appreciated the blessedness of Mary. That's not the same thing as saying the sinlessness of Mary or the veneration of Mary or the immaculate conception or assumption of Mary, but simply the blessedness. That word just means happy. And it's happy because God has smiled. God has shown favor. 
God has given her a marvelous gift. You see, she's just a normal girl here in all respects. From a poor family, from a town that no one cared about, people would literally go past it without turning in. Later, when it was found out by some of the people in Jerusalem that Jesus was from Nazareth, their first response was, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, Mary did have one claim to fame here, other than being the mother of Jesus. She was from a royal line. You see, it tells us in Luke chapter 3, through the line of Mary, that her ancestry goes back all the way to David, David, the king of Israel. Now, even though David had sons who were on the throne and were respected and given that honor, there was a time when the nation of Israel, having been taken captive by a pagan nation, they lost a lot of their independence. And if you fast forward some hundreds of years, in the first century, the Jews really didn't have the kind of regal independence that they once benefited from. So even though Mary's bloodline is royal, her life is still lived out in a poor village called Nazareth. And she recognizes that. She also observes in the song that she has no real deserving merit. It is by his mercy. Here's what she said. The mighty one has done great things for me and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. The word mercy actually means God not giving us punishment when we do deserve it. So it is withholding that kind of punitive wrath. On the other side of that same token is grace. Grace is God bestowing goodness. So mercy and grace go here hand in hand. But both of them show us that it really isn't us deserving or meriting God's favor, but it is merely God's goodness and his love to condescend to a man, especially men of low estate. She goes on to say, he has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. So here Mary is really articulating an important quality of the nature of God. Later, Jesus spoke something very similar multiple times when he said that God shows grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. So what was Jesus' admonition? If you humble yourself, God will lift you up. But if you exalt yourself, God will bring you down. And this is true no matter who you are. So kings and warriors and mighty men of old who have set themselves up high above the earth, who have oppressed men and kingdoms, God will crush these men. He will topple them. He will overthrow them. But then for those who are of a broken spirit, who are lowly, who are contrite, he will exalt. He will lift up. He satisfies the hungry, she said, with good things. He looks on those who are oppressed. Even today, in communities where people are forgotten, God doesn't forget them. He sees exactly what is going on. The hypocrisy, the twisted nature of man, and he will make all things right. He will send the rich away empty. He has helped his servant, Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever. Now here we could extrapolate from this that not only was Mary referring to Abraham and his biological descendants, but also Abraham and the children of faith that would become, in a sense, sons of Abraham. We see this actually play out in the Old Testament when there are people like Rahab who, though they are pagan in their background, because of their faith and because of their willingness to surrender to God, they are absorbed into Israel. Rahab was a harlot. Rahab was from Jericho. 
But when she saw the people of Israel coming in, she knew who was on the right side. And it wasn't her team. So she was willing to give it all away to follow the true God. And how did God respond? He put her in the line of ancestors of Jesus. That's how God feels about everybody. You see, it doesn't matter who you are, what family you come from, how rich or poor, or how educated or not. It comes down to one thing. Are you willing to humble yourself to see that when you break all all the niceties, all the unimportant things away, and you look at humanity, we are all children. We're all broken. We're all desperate for hope. We all need, like Mary says, a savior. And praise God, he sent his son into the world to be our savior. He has remembered his mercy and he will bring everyone who is willing to come to him through Jesus. He will bring them up and into his home forever. And that is something worth celebrating. God truly is the best gift giver. So let's point our hearts in the right direction this holiday season to the Holy One and call him Lord today.